Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I mean, how's it? Jeez. What, hap- what happened, Josh? I'm not used to being the one that speaks first. I'm still used to that being Jimmy. <laughs> anyway, it's the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Lee Kwai. And I'm DJ. Mr. Jumbo Commander, he's back again for some more fun-filled budget upgrade guiding. Uh, this is We're doing something a little bit different this time. So the budget upgrades we did to these pre-con decks... We actually had members of our team actually do the budget upgrade to the decks, and then we are going to play those decks against each other in a future episode of Extra Turns. That's going to be a fun thing to watch right there. Yeah, this is the first time ever we're kind of putting it to the test. Oftentimes, it's kind of theory crafting more from these. We're just looking at lists, you know, before the decks are out and sort of telling people what we think uh, based on the stats. We do a lot of research and things. Um, what we think the decks are going to do, but as it turns out, this time we're actually going to play these decks actually... Full disclosure, we've already recorded that episode. The decks have already been played against each other. We know the outcome. We're not going to spoil that, obviously. Uh, So this is the deck that I play in that episode of Extra Turns and the one that I personally upgraded. It's the Quandrix, Quantum Quandrix Precon, the the green, uh, blue Precon, which, hey, listen, I let the other members of the team pick first. They they left (laughs) this one available to me. I just want to full disclosure. Uh, But before we get into what the upgrades are going to be, and we're going to do the same thing we did for we always do right yeah we're getting 10 in 10 out we're making sure not to spend too much money under 30 dollars and we're not touching the mana base right so dj is actually going to be the host for all these budget upgrade videos um and we're going to bring the other team members in when they talk about their decks so he's going to be sitting here with murph lady danger jordan um which is fun dj because it's it's really fun especially because different people have totally different perspectives on deck building and as we have the conversation you kind of get into someone's head and find out how many different ways you can upgrade a pre-con. Yeah, a lot of different ways to think about Commander, but there's one thing that's no different between all players. It's that you need cards in order to play the game. And in order to get those cards, the best place to go is cardkingdom.com slash command zone. These pre-con decks, you know you want to get them. There's five of them. They're all pretty sweet. Uh, we, You and Jimmy did the full deck reveal for the Lorehold one. It has a lot of like 
what I, I'm pretty sure are going to be like white staples cards. Staples. Yeah. So get your hands for sure on the Lorehold one. There's a lot of awesome cards in all the other ones. Also, Strixhaven, the main set. You know you want these singles. You want to, you know, we all like cracking packs. Let's, let's not lie here. Uh, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. That's the best place to go to get your magic stuff because they're going to get you the stuff in uh, the fastest and in the best condition. Mm-hmm. And then once you have your hands on that stuff, you want to make sure to put them in nice Ultra Pro sleeves which are going to keep your cards in the best possible condition because you want them to maintain their value. You don't want them to get dinged up, scuffed up. Also, Ultra Pro makes the most awesome play mats with the best ink and color. They make awesome deck boxes. Look, are you going to sleeve your Quandrix deck in like your Is It sleeves you have from Ravnica? No. Heresy. Yeah, you cannot do that. <laughs> you need the new Quandrix sleeves or at least some green or blue Pro Gloss Eclipse Sleeves. Ultra Pro really does make the best stuff on the market to protect your game pieces. Uh, and then the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone. All kinds of cool perks, one of which is you get to watch game nights and extra turns earlier than the general public. Yes, the extra turns where we're going to be playing these upgraded decks. You'll get to see it before everybody else know the outcome. Also, you won't spoil it for anyone, even though you know it ahead of time because you're a nice person, right? All right. Uh, Oh, there's another perk. All patrons have a chance to get their name shouted out on an episode of the podcast because we dedicate each and every episode to one patron. And this episode is dedicated to Luis Magana. Luis, you rock. Thank you. All right, let's get into the main topic here. Quantum Quandrix, the Quantum Quandrix Precon Budget Upgrade Guide. You know the rules. 10 cards in, 10 cards out, $30 budget. We're not going to mess with the mana base because that's no fun. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the key is to bring this deck up to speed to be able to play with other real commander decks that have been built, you know, by themselves in their normal yeah, playgroup. Yeah. And sometimes when you just crack this straight out of the box, it doesn't quite perform up to your playgroup, but a simple swap, 10 cards in, 10 cards out, and then bam, you're playing with this uh, and having a good time. Uh, and so the way that we're going to break this down is first, we're going to look at these commanders and find out what legendary creatures are in this box and who's going to be helming this version of the deck. Yeah. Who do you want to uh, make the upgrade based on, right? Because you have a few different choices and you want to make sure you pick the commander before you start slotting in new cards. I'm always amazed by just the 10 cards in, 10 cards out, how much stronger you can make the deck. You know, it seems like it'd be a small change, but it actually can make a big difference. Perfect. All right, Josh, the face card of this. All right. So on the boxes, Adrix, Adrix and Nev, twin casters. Two green blue for a 2-2 legendary merfolk wizard. It has ward two, and ward is a new keyword mechanic. It says, whenever this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, counter it unless that player pays two. Uh, If you had ward seven, it would be unless that player pays seven. So whatever the ward number is, it's just harder to target uh, that creature with a spell or ability. Only opponents. So it's kind of like a softer hexproof, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice on your commander because you want your commander on the battlefield, so having a little bit of protection seems good. Uh, and then the main part of the text, it says, if one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many of those tokens are created instead. So it's parallel lives in the command zone. We love parallel lives. Yes. You know, we love anointed procession, yep. wrong color, but this is a great, this is a great thing to have. Yeah, very, very powerful. Uh, both those cards are not cheap. And it's because token decks really want this effect on the battlefield uh, just to power up. It's Panharmonicon for token decks, right? It's just yeah. to power up all your all your token plays. Um, yeah, so I, I, there's not a ton to say about it, right? If, if you're making a token deck, this could be... It's a known quantity. Like, yeah. we've played with this type of card, and we know what it does, uh, and it does good stuff. But it's not 
really exciting as far as like opening new hor- or, or opening new horizons, opening new windows, exposing us to new horizons. It's not, it doesn't really do that. Well, Josh, can I can I open your eyes to a, to a new horizon? I think you can. <laughs> Okay, actually, go ahead, you know what? Go ahead and you get sure, to sure. read this one. You oh, yeah. Do your stuff. Okay, we'll, we'll give away why I'm reading it in a minute here. It's Essex, Fractal Bloom. This is the second um, new legendary creature that's in Quandrix uh, in this deck. It's four, a green and a blue, so six mana for a 4-4 four, four flying legendary Fractal. I don't know if you know this, but if you zoom into Fractals, you can zoom into Affinity, and they just keep having the Fractal pattern or whatever. Nice. I think that's true. All right. <laughs> Six mana, four, four flyer. The first time you would create one or more tokens during each of your turns, you may instead choose a creature other than Essex Fractal Bloom and create that many tokens that are copies of that creature. Wow, a lot to unpack on this thing. So it's the first time only, the first time you would create one or more tokens during each of your turns. Okay. So this is a one-time thing all around the commander table. Boom, your turn, create a token, it happens. Right. You can't do it on other people's turns. And if you're creating tokens for the second time in a turn, it won't happen. It's only Got the it. first time. But it can be one or more. So if you have an effect that brings in a lot of tokens all at once, then you'll get that many copies. And you can copy anything on the battlefield. It does not say choose a creature Whoa. you don't control. It just says a ch- choose a creature other than Essex. You cannot copy your commander. Which is mostly fine because it's legendary. You probably wouldn't want to do that under a lot of circumstances. Um, but yeah, let's... Okay. So That sounds awesome. It's a lot like Mystic Reflection in some ways. Mystic Reflection was a really fun card to play with. So the, the, the obvious thought that comes in your head is something like Avenger of Zendikar because it comes in, it's going to create, say you have seven lands, seven tokens all at once, and you say, okay, well, I don't want those to be plant tokens. I'd rather they were <laughs> Avenger of Zendikar tokens. Because, you know, that's on the battlefield now at ETB to make the, tr- the the trigger. And now you get seven Avengers Endicar tokens, and they each create seven plants, so you'd get 49 plant tokens. Now, the the, the plants coming in off the, the second round of Avengers Endicars are not the first time you're creating tokens that turn, mm-hmm. so it won't make... It won't keep won't going go over and over yeah. and go infinite, yeah. Because it actually wouldn't be great if you go infinite, because... Then, then it would just be a draw, It'd right? be a draw, yeah. yeah. Unless you have some way to break Interrupt the... It. Yeah. Uh, this seems unique. Uh, a lot more interesting. Um, maybe needs to be built around a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're gonna have to look at what the deck does to figure out if it's usable. But to me, definitely more interesting for yeah. sure. I yeah, I mean, the first one, if it's just like you make a token, it makes it better. You right. know, it feels like there's tons of stuff that can make tokens. You know, any token creator, hey, double it up. You know what I mean? Right. This one, it feels like you need a target on the battlefield. Then you need to be able to make tokens. It you seems. really want to be able to make more than one token at once. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot more going on, but it is more hoops to jump through. Okay, there's one more legendary uh, Simic creature uh, in this pre-constructed deck. This is actually from the Strixhaven main set, and they brought it over. It's Zamone Quandrix Prodigy. Uh, green and a blue for a 1-2 legendary creature human wizard. You can pay one and tap it. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield tapped. Four tap, draw a card. If you control eight or more lands, draw two cards instead. Okay, so let me get this straight. It's a Simic... I mean, Quandrix. It's a Quandrix commander... And what it does is ramps you and draws you cards. That is correct. Hmm. Hmm. So unique. <laughs> I mean, it's probably good, but also a little, a little boring. I mean, here's the thing: it's it's a blue and a green. Like, it's don't we mana. just like? I love I love things that cost two mana, but like you, my mind goes to Thrasios. Well, it's definitely not as good as Thrasios, which just kind of does it a little bit better. I, 
But Thrasius is also like one of the most broken commanders ever. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if that bar <laughs> uncommon, is something we want to be clearing. Uncommon from the main set. It's <laughs> yeah. like, well, it's no Thrasios, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this is probably powerful. But again, it doesn't. Re- well, it does require a little building around. I think you probably want more lands in the average deck. And, you know, because whenever you have too much mana, you can just activate that second ability. But you probably want some tapping and some things going on like yeah. that. It's pretty specific. So we also have two new legendaries, oh. but they're not in Quandrix colors. Uh, they're they're mono blue and mono green. Uh, but we're going to cover them here anyways, even though they can't be the commander of this pre-constructed deck. Yeah, they're new cards. It's fun to talk about new cards. And we're seeing this in the pre-con decks is that there are two new commanders that could be the commander of the deck out of the box. And then there are two new monocolored commanders in there that can go in the deck, but you can't run them as the commanders right out of the box. I wonder if early in design, these monocolors had like partners with or something. I wish they did. Because it is interesting in commander decks in the past, we have seen that there was usually three new possible commanders for that deck when you opened it up. And the fact that there are only two here, but if these had partners with, it would work. Yeah. uh, Makes me think that might be the case. I have no idea. I haven't talked to Gavin or anybody over there about that. Um, Okay. Regardless, let's talk about the two monocolored commanders. I've got the blue one. It's Dika Fractal Theorist. If you didn't notice, the the Quandrix people, they like fractals a lot. All right. It's four and a blue for a 3-3. So five mana, 3-3, legendary human wizard, has Magecraft. So whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, you create a 0-0 green and blue fractal creature token, and you put X-1-1 counters on it, where X is that spell's mana value. Remember, mana value is the new way that Wizards is saying converted mana cost. So if you cast a instant or sorcery with Deke on the battlefield and the instant sorcery, let's say you cast like Factor Fiction or whatever, then you would make a 4-4. That's good. I want this in the Prismari deck. Yeah, I just want, I just <laughs> that's really just good in the Prismari. the Prismari deck. But we've seen this effect like in the Prismari deck and in other decks before. It's good. Yeah. Also, that's not all the text. So it creates the the token when you cast an instant sorcery, but it also has an activated ability. Three and a blue target creature token can't be blocked this turn. So unblockable for creature token. So if you manage to make a really big fractal or even a medium sized one, uh, you can sneak it in there for damage for the cost of four mana, which is an ability that in my experience, I don't know if this is true for you, um, DJ, reads better than it looks. You rarely want to dump four mana into making something unblockable. It does, because a lot of times the way that you win is not by getting a single creature through, it's through bigger effects. But once in a while, it can steal games out of nowhere. Or like someone has a Planeswalker that you just really need to get get rid of or something like that. Yeah. You can often team up with another player. Yeah, target. I mean, that but this this one's a token, so it's less usable in those other instances. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. What is the mono green... uh, Legendary. The mono green legendary is adorable. Oh, this is it's, an interesting card, too. <laughs> it's really interesting. I see what they're trying to do here. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it's kind of cool. Ruxa Patient Professor. Two green green for a 4-4 legendary bear druid. Whenever Ruxa Patient Professor enters the battlefield or attacks, return target creature card with no abilities from your graveyard to your hand. Creatures you control with no abilities get plus one plus one. And you may have creatures you control with no abilities assign their combat damage as though they weren't blocked. This is Vanilla Creature Tribal. Love it. Vanilla Tribal. (laughs) So all Ruxa cares about is that you have creatures with no abilities. Which seems like a nightmare because I want all my creatures to have abilities. I know. You want them to have stuff on them. But it's funny because he's a bear. 
So oh, he yeah. just likes two two for twos that don't do anything. He just likes bears, but he's like a bigger bear because <laughs> yeah. he's the professor. <laughs> he has yeah. so many abilities on him. Though. I find it hard to believe that this deck is going to really care about Ruxa much. This is seems like a plant for like a possible kind of yeah. deck that maybe some people will want to build. The reason why they can kind of include it in a little bit in this deck is because uh, tokens generally have no abilities. Fract- right. Fractals have no abilities. They just have plus one, plus one counters on them. Right. And so the idea of being able to attack with your tokens and have them deal ultimate damage, like damage straight through is something. Uh, but again, there's that. Rec- yeah, it does pump them all. But the recursion thing doesn't work for tokens. Yeah. So you're probably not getting the recursion part, but the other two parts, probably enough synergy that this card is like fine. Yeah. In this deck, but probably a fun deck to build around. Maybe. I don't know. All your creatures won't have abilities. It's so definitely interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I like the design. All right, let's go into the next section, one of our favorites, which is stats. Stats. All right, let's go to our pillars of the format. That's ramp, card draw, board wipes, and targeted removal. I'm looking at this, and it looks pretty good so far. Ramp. We have 13 ramp cards in this deck. And a lot of these are just really good sources of ramp. We have the arcane signets that we're seeing in a lot of different decks. So that artifact ramp is there. But they've also included just classic rampant growth. Which they haven't in the past for these cards. It's one of the most played uh, cards in the format, but often the preguns didn't come with it for some reason. And so, yeah, it's definitely in this deck, which is great. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the ramp package that they have. Uh, Card draw, they have 10 sources of card draw which is very solid. Really good. Um, there are a few sources of card draw that that I really, really dislike and I wanted to kind of shout out a little bit. Okay. Uh, Shamanic Revelation, three green green for a sorcery draw card for each creature you control. It also has ferocious gain for life for each creature you control with power four or greater. And then also Golden Ratio, one green blue draw card for each different power among creatures you control. These are cards that draw you cards when you already have a board presence when you're Mm. already like ahead uh and so i know that this is a creature token deck and so you can go wide and then draw a crazy amount it's a very commander thing to draw a crazy amount of cards Uh, but i really like my card draw to just be a little bit more reliable uh in specifically a token deck too i don't like card draw necessarily that's gonna 100 rely on me having a board state because usually if i do have one I'm doing fine as a token deck. And when I need to recover is when somebody's board wiped and I don't have anything out there. Um, Yeah, so it doesn't help you recover. It also doesn't really help you develop. Like a lot of times you use your card draw spell to be like, okay, I need to fix my mana. I need to like get going in the beginning parts. And this only puts you more ahead. Yeah, I think golden ratio is a little bit better because you don't need to get a ton of cards. If you get two, you're okay with it, right? You want to have three, but it's three mana sorcery. If it's divination, it's like at least fine yeah yeah and if you ever get three and with your commander and one other creature that's not a lot to ask for Mm -hmm. so yeah shamanic revelation i yeah i've never really liked if it was an instant that'd be a little bit different um let's look at board wipes in the deck well well let's pause really quick 13 ramp 10 card draw though even if a little bit the card draw is a little touchy yeah yeah that's a good ratio it's like thumbs up yeah that 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 means i think the deck is going to play pretty well and not be feel super slow or just sit there with no gas so that's good uh board wipes there's not a lot, and you put weak and conditional, so that maybe it's not high quality, but there are three board wipes in the deck. Yeah. Um, again, if you're playing a strategy that wants to commit to the board, maybe you don't want as many board wipes, yeah. uh, but I think that you do want some way to control a board in a game of Commander, and these are just a little bit, um, I don't know, difficult to pull off. Like Curse of the Swine. Is that really a board wipe? Sort of. <laughs> We're sort stretching. Of. We're yeah. stretching here. I mean, Azuri's predations in here. And <laughs> Azuri's it, that is definitely yeah. a board wipe. Yeah. Uh, for and each creature your opponent's control, create a four-four green beast, and then uh, 
each of those beasts fights a different one of those creatures. So it's like a four mana board wipe. But it does synergize really well, that one specifically, with all the... Um with both of your commanders, because you'd make twice as many beasts if it's one, or all those beasts would come in as copies of something inside of the battlefield, yeah. which is another one. So that one I understand. Curse of the Swine technically does make uh, tokens, but you would have to exile your own stuff, yeah. which you wouldn't want to do normally with Curse of the Swine, so it's not as good. There's a weird uh, boardway called Oversimplify in here. It says uh, it's five mana, three green, blue for a sorcery. Exile all creatures. Each player creates a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token and puts a number of one, one counters on it equal to the total power of creatures they controlled that were exiled this way. So everybody gets one big creature if they had a lot of creatures on the battlefield or, you know, I don't know. This one's a, a lot I more clunky. it's a fine board wipe. It's fine. I, you should have more creatures because you're the token deck. But if you're in that position where you have more creatures, then why are you board yeah, wiping? You're board wiping. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Uh, I like Azura's Predation. The other two are... They're going to do Azura's some Predation work, but... is eight mana, though, was, which is a little bit, I don't know, has me feeling anxious about my board wipe being so much mana. Yeah, it's true. But there, I mean, Azura's Predation is the type of card that like sometimes it just wins you the game because not only does it kill everything, it also gives you the things that will then kill them, which a lot of board wipes just stall out the game. Uh, rather than get you into a winning position. So I kind of like that. With 15 mana, you can uh, have your commander out and then <laughs> play Azuri's Perdition and then make all of them. Sure, in the same turn, turn, but I don't think it's that, asking that much for a green-blue deck to play a six drop uh, on turn five and yeah, then an eight right? drop on turn six. No, you know? totally. Yeah, yeah. I think it's great. Okay, let's talk about the other stats of the deck that are going to help us decide um, which commander we should run. You we also did... got seven sources of targeted oh, removal. Oh, sorry, targeted removal. Seven. Targeted removal, seven. That's great. I think, yeah, I'm really impressed with the stats of this deck. And like you said, it's not necessarily like what in most of our decks would be like, it's not all reality shift and like the highest of the high end, you know, most efficient removal. But still, there's a lot, enough interaction there that I feel like the deck can hang. Um, in pre-cons in the past, often there's like three targeted removals. Like I can't stop anything my opponents are going to do. This one has it. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's really well-rounded. I like the the base of this deck. Okay, let's talk about the other stat categories that you kind of came up with and broke this down, DJ, to kind of help us choose um, or, or understand our choice for why we're going to build around which commander. Yeah, it seems like the two main commanders, uh, the two that come from this pre-constructed deck, they just care about tokens. Yep. You know, so we have to look at how many token generators there are and how many token synergies there are in this deck. So, for example, the token creation, there are 22 token generators in the deck. 22 cards that make tokens? Yeah. Whoa, that's a lot. That's a lot. Not so. surprising, though, because like you said, both commanders care about that. Yeah. Um, along with that, we also have some plus one, plus one counter synergies. This uh, is a little bit weird because yeah. none of the commanders say plus one, plus one counters or care about counters. You're absolutely right. I think it's a little bit of a carryover from the main set and it has to do with the fractals because uh, the fractals kind of care about plus one, plus one counters a little bit. Oh, so a lot of our token creation is fractals and fractals have plus one, plus one counters. So yes. they figured, okay, let's you know, let's push towards plus one, plus one counters. Interesting. Absolutely. And so I, I think that you could up, grade the plus one plus one counters because there's 18 examples of it mm -hmm. you know but a lot of them you're gonna be like oh i guess that's plus one plus one counters when it's in dealing with fractals and stuff like that um but there's some synergies where you have you doubling the plus one plus one counters or moving them around so like fractal harness is a new card that has you doubling the plus one plus one counters forgotten ancient gains plus one plus one counters and then you can move them around uh master biomancer uh deals with plus one plus one counters doubling them up uh so there's a little bit of plus one plus one counter synergy uh that's a lot 18 cards is a lot that's yeah, almost as yeah, many right. as there are token creators. You are you are correct. Yeah. There's a lot. Seems yeah. Seems overly weighted towards the plus one plus encounters, considering that the commanders themselves care more about the tokens than the counters on them. Yeah, I 
I kind of agree with you there. Okay. Um, then there's a different, there's a little sub theme that's kind of confusing. Uh, it's unblockability. There's an unblockable sub theme. There's an unblockable sub. How many cards are there in this deck that give unblockable or, or deal with unblockable? Seven. Wow. Yeah. That's a real head scratcher because when I think of tokens, I think of going wide. Yes. So token strategies generally don't need unblockable. Their unblockable is you can't block all of this. Yes. So it's really weird <laughs> to to. Do you want, did you come up with any reason why there was? Well, some of the cards are like Rose Passage, so, yeah. Cassetto. Cassetto was the weird one. Yeah, because because it's, it's just it's a Snake Lord and it just grants unblockable. There's not a bunch of snakes in here, you know, and it just activates unblockable. Look, I like that they reprinted it. Maybe that's the reason why because they reprinted it. But then on one of the commanders. Like it grants your you mean on the monocolor commander sorry, yeah. on the monocolor commander. It grants unblockability to a token. Yeah. Dika, which we just read. Yeah. I don't really get that part of it either. Cause that just doesn't seem to jive with what a token strategy generally is. Yeah. There aren't even a lot of cards that trigger when you hit someone either. Oh, like draw cards every time you deal. Yeah. But the, those aren't in here either. Like hmm. there's a, there's a few little synergies like that, but not a lot. So. All right. I have a feeling I know some of the cards we're going to be cutting from this deck. <laughs> All right, let's go into what one of everyone's favorite sections, which is the deck value, the value of the reprints. Remember, we're recording all this stuff before the decks are released to the public, so we don't know the value of all the new cards or the Strixhaven reprints in uh, the deck. But we can kind of tally up the value of all the reprints, the known cards that have ex existed in the past and kind of give you an overview um, of what that value is. So there are 56 reprints in this deck. Um and the total sum of all those reprints, if you add up their value, is $91.46. That's pretty good. Um, we've seen some other pre-cons going below that. 91 feels like it's about the average. Yeah, that's, I mean, and there are 56. This doesn't count basic lands, obviously, but that's actually a pretty low number. Usually you see in the 60s. So there's a lot more new cards or Strixhaven main set cards in this Uh so that, yeah, that feels pretty good. Now, we tend to break this down into cards over $5 and then cards over $2 just to see, like, because a bunch of $2 cards is not necessarily as exciting as, like, a couple of big heavy hitters, yeah. you know, $10 and up cards. So the sum of all the cards that are either $5 or more, and there are three of them, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. And one of them is almost 20 bucks, and the, another one 10 So I, I'd say the reprints are actually pretty good there, um, and we'll say what they are in a second. The sum of all the $5 plus cards are $34.17. That's like almost the price of the deck right yeah. there, right? That's pretty good. And then the sum of all the $2 and up cards, there are 14 of them, is about $65. Um, so, and remember, that includes the $5 cards yeah. because they're also $2 or more. Um, okay, everyone's going, well, what are the cards? What are the cards? If you haven't looked up the deck list already, let's read the notable reprints here. We'll go down the list um, a little bit slowly for the editors. Yeah. So the most... It's a good note. I should yeah. have paid attention to that in my other... <laughs> you put that on like, ah, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the biggest reprint in the entire pre-con, the Quantrix pre-con, is Azuri's Predation. It is about $19. Which was blowing my mind that it was $19. So glad it got a reprint here. It's really one of the only like green board wipes that deals with creatures. So it is a card that I find myself putting in decks decently often especially if they have a token theme so and it's only been printed the one time before this so it's good to get a reprint i think get get some more copies out there into the wild so yeah there's 20 dollars right there almost uh right of replication this is just you know a staple, staple type card yeah one of the most played blue cards in the format it's creeping up to about 10 bucks so that gets a reprint 
Mana Gorger Hydra. DJ, your George. favorite card. George. Love <laughs> I really like Mana Gorger Hydra. Um, I thought you didn't like it. No, I, I thought don't you like really it. wanted to get it off the battlefield. Above, oh, say, like yes. a pair. Uh, what was it? <laughs> what was the. Uh... <laughs> It's that old Game Nights episode where you killed that instead of the thing Jimmy could cheat out whatever with. Hang on. It, was, it wasn't about the Hydra. It was about the person swinging the Hydra at me. How dare you, Vinny? Uh, but Manor Gorger Hydra was above $5, about $5.25 or so, uh, $5.20. So that's, that's three decent reprints there. I'd say Israel's Predation Rite of Revocation, definitely like very solid reprints yeah, for there. Sure. So happy to see those. Uh, and then let's talk about cards that are $2 and over. This Another is a one. card that Jimmy and I have talked about recently as a card we're just playing more and more often. This card's like really, really good. And you might say, well, it's a lot like Shamanic Revelation, but it's not. It's not. Uh, it's Return of the Wild Speaker coming in at around $3.50. And it's a relatively recent card. It's not like seven, 10 years old or whatever. It was in the modern era where they printed a lot of cards. So for Th it to- Throne of Eldraine? Yeah, so for it yeah. to be that high of a price as a rare from a standard set fairly recently, uh, tells you how good it is. And I, I think a lot of people are putting in a lot of decks. It's four and a green for an instant, and you can choose one of these. Either draw cards equal to the greatest power among non-human creatures you control, or non-human creatures you control get plus three, plus three until end of turn. The fact that it's an instant and it has those two modes that are so useful in different parts in different stages of the game makes it really, really good. If you need the card draw and you only you only really need one creature out to get, you know, three, four, sometimes obviously five, six, seven cards. If you need the cards, you do that. But if you have a big board, then you're like, okay, well, now I use this card to just win the game. It's great. Yep. Yeah. Love the card. Uh, Master Biomancer coming in at $3.50. We talked about those plus one, plus one counter synergies. Uh, there's a lot of plus one, plus one counter decks out there. And so a lot of them will run Master Biomancer. Yep. Uh, Rapid Hybridization. Just a really efficient removal spell coming in at $3.50. That's a staple card right there too. Really like is Pongify, a staple card. Reality Shift. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Incubation Druid is coming in at $3. Uh, mana Ramp plus high? one, plus one counters. I know. And again, another pretty recent card. Um, Soul Ring, a classic, uh, just under $3. Idol of Oblivion, uh, $2.50. Um, I'm, I'm not sure why that one's $2.50, but there it is. I, I think that in some decks, uh, it's basically draw card every turn because you're always creating those tokens. Okay. You know, um, <laughs> Josh, oh, okay. Uh, Reform, uh, $2.50. That one I'm a little bit like... Why is that one? Expensive? It's a fun card, though. It, it dies. It comes back. It dies again. Comes comes back bigger over and over. Yeah. Um, we mentioned Casado uh, Orochi Archmage uh, coming it's, in at two fifty. Casado. Prof just rolled over in his grave. <laughs> yes, I know he's still alive. It's a joke, everybody. Okay. Uh, um, then we have Arcane Signet again. So glad it's in all of these decks. Yep. Uh, two dollars fifty cents. Forgotten Ancient uh, just under two fifty. And Beast Within. Just over two bucks. Yeah, these are all solid. A lot of cards that I do play, and I'm sure you do too. So yeah, like the the mana rocks are great. The beast within the um, rapid hybridization that removal yep. is you know solid, used in tons of different decks. I think this is a level of reprint we can be fairly happy with in the commander product, right? About ninety bucks worth of stuff. A lot of new stuff in there too. Don't forget, we just don't know the value of that. Uh, you know, a couple of higher end cards, a $10 card on almost $20 card. If they did this every time, I think people would be mostly happy with the reprints. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. All right. So let's talk about who we should run as our commander. You had a really good point here. So we've got Adrix and Nev who are basically parallel lives, doubling the amount of tokens you get on a commander. And it's a four drop two, two with ward two, or you've got Essex fractal bloom, which basically 
copies a creature on the board. Uh, your tokens come in as copies of that the first time you create them every single turn. The simple fact that like this one, you're just like doubles and this one you're like, okay. And then this one, it's harder to explain. This. It's yeah. hard to explain, but I think that makes it more interesting. And yeah. I think that the, they're catching on that. That's the direction that we're going. Right. Well, you had a really good point. There's two things here. Yeah. I definitely built my deck around Essex and there's two reasons I did. One is I just think Essex is more interesting and more cool. Uh, and just doubling my tokens. It looks like we know what that deck does and kind of what it looks like. Also, to make that deck really, really good, I think you need some you need some cards that are way out of our budget range, or yeah. you would really want them, right? So I was like, well, what I want to do when we double is to not just double. I want to double, well, double. Quadruple. I want to double, double, double. Yeah. I want to double the double and the double the I double. I want to go to In-N-Out. <laughs> We're not sponsored by In-N-Out. Why not, Josh? Get on that. <laughs> Jeez. I already gained enough weight during the pandemic, DJ. <laughs> I know. Um, but anyways, doubling up uh, these these other doubling effects, doubling season, $65. So Par- yeah. that's more than double our budget. <laughs> Parallel Lives, $50. 50 bucks. Which is cool that they printed a commander with an effect that's $50 on it. Great. Yeah, but we're not going to be able to, for this exercise, put those cards in our decks. Uh, even Helm of the Host. By the way, Helm of the Host on this. Oh, my Trigger Lord. it, make another one. Make and two then of them, like, and then the next one. Oh, and my the God. Next one, it sees yeah. three of them, and so they all double on top of each other. I don't... Helm of the Host is $20. In the comments, how many? Yeah, so <laughs> that's that's a reason to sort of steer away from Adrix and Nev. For, for, for me, I think a lot of people, you might see this, get real excited about doubling your tokens, and you could totally upgrade the deck in that direction. Uh, that's just not what I choose to do for this one. Um, Zimone, I think, is just way more, again... Just another deck we've seen a lot. A lot of you're gonna want a lot of card draw, a lot of lands in that deck. Probably a landfall deck. So um, I decided to build around Essex just because it has a unique effect that we haven't really seen in the command zone before. Good call. Good call. So let's talk about the best cards in the deck. Um, there are two new ones and then two sort of old ones. Let's talk about the old ones first because we've already mentioned these cards. So Return of the Wild Speaker, one of the best cards in the deck. Right. Because it draws you the cards with Essex out. It's at least four cards for five mana and instant speed. And then also, once you have enough stuff, it is a game ender. It'll close out the game for you. Give everything everything plus three, plus three. You have mostly non-humans. And, you know, swinging for the win at that point. And then right of Replication, obviously really good. Because it just does what Essex does without needing Essex out. Yeah. You just tap the mana and make five copies of things. So that seems good. Of a thing, sorry. Um yeah, I've never seen anybody cast right of a replication for not the kicked cost, by the way. Have you? I've done it before. Sometimes you just need to make a copy of something. Do you remember a specific instance where you did that? Or are you just saying? Yes. I, I, like, I I'm sure I did, but I can't no, actually remember. No, I have a braids deck, so people cheat things uh, in right, really enough. early with braids, and it's really good to just immediately write a replication that value and help stabilize the board. Okay. Well, I've never seen it, <laughs> but that makes sense. All right. Uh, but I think two other really good cards in the deck are new. You like this one more because yeah. it says your favorite. Yeah, so Curiosity flying. Crafter is a new card. Uh, it's three and a blue for a 3-3 three, three flying bird wizard. It says you have no maximum hand size. It also says whenever a creature token you control deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. So I like this a lot better than even Dika because I want to draw cards for my tokens rather than make my tokens unblockable. Yeah. Um, because usually you're like, whatever, I've got a lot of tokens. I'm going to swing with four of them. You block one, I draw three. That seems good. Yeah. Um, the other one is Perplexing Test. Oh, this is actually cool. Three blue blue for an instant, like that it's instant. Choose one, return all creature tokens to their owner's hands, or return all non-token creatures to their owner's hands. 
Mm, so this is if you set up your board right it doesn't hurt you very much yeah could even be to your advantage because you're like oh i'm my tokens will stay but i'll bounce my non-tokens but what you don't know is that my non-tokens have entered the battlefield effects or something and so i actually want them to be back in my hand boom it's great um i like that it's instant speed too evacuation plays a lot better than uh, the other sorcery speed bounce spells uh because if you play it on other people's turns even if you are returning a bunch of stuff to your hand you can be the first one to redeploy and have that board's presence yeah big big deal that is instant i think at sorcery speed that that card is not actually not that great all right we are about to get into the 10 cards we need to add to this deck and which 10 to take out to bring it up to speed to tangle ready to tangle or tango with real decks. But before we do that, we got to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. We are back. We're discussing the Quantum Quandrix Precon Commander deck from Strixhaven. We're getting into the fun part here. This is the cards that we think we should add to this deck for $30 or less. Um, All right, Josh, you to get picked, it up to speed. You picked these upgrades. Remember, picked, we're, yeah, we're building around Essex. We're Fractal building around Blood. Essex. Uh, you picked 10 cards, okay? All of these total budget under $30. Yep. Uh, why don't you walk us through the first category, which is you wanted some higher impact token creators. Yeah, I just wanted some quote unquote, better token creators. There are a lot of token creators in the deck, but you'll notice many of them only make one token and are hard to be hard to repeat. I wanted ways that we're either going to create a lot of tokens all at once or be able to pretty easily continuously make tokens every turn. Hmm. Um, and so I chose Avenger of Zendikar. You even use that in your example as yep. a good one. <laughs> it's a $7 card. It's, I think, the most expensive card that I added, but very worth it because all by itself with Essex out, it's nuts. You play it, if you have six lands even, you've ramped a little with Man Rocks or something, make six plants, but say, no, I'm going to have six Avengers of Zendikars, and then you get 30 plants. So you have six Avengers of Zendikars and 30 plants at the and, end of that. And one land drop makes them yeah, seven, seven bigger because there's the original one? Oh, it's, oh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> six bigger, yeah, because there's the original one plus the five. Or yeah. plus the six, seven bigger. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So it's just... It's crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy play to be able to do that. And I thought, well, that would be fun if I could pull it off. So I have to put that in the deck. Um, and then uh, there's a mini Avenger of Zendikar. And I was looking for a card. I'm like, what is a card that does what Avenger of Zendikar does, but not for as much mana? And it doesn't have to create 
you know, have the ability to create 12 tokens all at once, just even three or four is going to be really good, mm-hmm. right? Because Essex, if you make even three tokens at once and you copy, make three copies of the best thing on the battlefield, it gets out of hand so so uh, quickly. So Deep Forest Hermit was the card I chose. It's three green green for a 1-1. One, one. It has... Vanishing three, which means when it enters the battlefield, uh, it has three time counters on it. And then at the beginning of your upkeep, you remove a time counter. And then when the last one is removed, you sacrifice it. So Deep Force Hermit will only stick around for three turns. But here's the thing. You won't need it longer. <laughs> yeah. When it enters the battlefield, you make four 1-1 one, one squirrel creature tokens. And the squirrels get plus one, plus one is an anthem effect on the Deep Force Hermit. So if you do the Avenger of Zendikar thing, where you say, boom, Deep Force Hermit comes in, four squirrels, I'm going to make those four deep forest hermits you get 16 squirrels but they all get plus five plus five and you're like whatever it's all going away in three turns but this game's going to be over next turn if you guys don't board wipe so many squirrels and, and this is only a five squirrels. drop right yeah so i great. think it's in borderline better than avenger of xanacar in the deck just because it's a lot easier to get out and maybe even hold up open some protection or mm-hmm. you know uh or interact and then do it and then i also put in tireless tracker which if you'll notice, X6 doesn't say whenever you create a creature token. Oh. It's whenever you can create one or more tokens during each of your turns. So a, a, a treasure token will count. And what I like about Tireless Tracker is that it fills a lot of categories. It makes clue tokens, which you can turn into card draw if you need that. But also once SSX is out, you play a land and you go, boom, make a copy of maybe a Tireless Tracker or something else. You know, you can copy your opponent's creatures. It just depends on what's out there. But you can do that every single turn. And if you go, oh, tireless, I made a second tireless tracker. Now in the next land I play, I'm getting two clues. And you tokens. don't have to invest mana. It just yeah. happens. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. So those are sort of the more higher impact token creators that we added to the deck. So one thing that I wrote down here, because it remind tireless tracker reminded me of that, is that there are some other like sort of very free token creators out there. Uh, Colony Garden creates a, a zero. It's a land that creates a zero one plant. Yep. Just imagine if like your land drop comes with an Avenger of Zendikar or something like that. Or it comes any, with a clone, card, basically. A clone. Yeah. It's crazy. Or like a gingerbread cabin. Yep. You know, triggers and you get a food, but that food token can, can be, be anything. Anything. Yeah. It's so great. Um, and so as your brain starts working through, it's just like, oh my gosh, like how many great ways are there to get tokens out there and what can I turn them into? I really like the lands that create tokens um, because if you play Essex on turn six and then play one of those lands, it is often hard with one mana mm-hmm. to create a token. It's not impossible, but it's usually on bad cards you don't want to play. But Conley Garden or something allows you to take advantage of having Essex out the turn you play it. So even if they kill it, I did get some value. I copied something awesome. Uh, I got a little more plan going forward. So I I like that a lot. You mentioned one drop uh, getting a token. I'm liking rapid hybridization even more now that you said that. Yeah, because it's in the deck and you could. Yeah, you could. You could just cash in one of your own creatures to then upgrade it to another crazy token. Yeah, something awesome. awesome. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about the next category. You named these categories, or did I? I don't remember, but I like this category name the most. It's value engines. All right, so, yeah, what do you want to copy? And one thing about this is I want to be able to have cards that are just good on their own if Essex isn't out. But if Essex is out and I'm making copies of these things, it starts to go nuts. So classic Moldrifter. That's a that's a gimme, right? And how is Moldrifter still good after all these years? And still like one of my favorite cards of all time. It's just so simple. Four and a blue for a 2-2 flyer. But you draw two cards when it ETBs. And it has a Vogue for two and a blue. So you can sacrifice it immediately when it enters play for only three mana. And still draw the two cards. So it's divination on its worst end. But then if you have Essex out and you're able to just go boom. Deep Forest Hermit. 
Maybe I don't see a board state where I, you know, all the squirrels Josh, are going to live or whatever. Josh is going to pass up making 16... Five, five squirrels. Six, six squirrels or six whatever. Six squirrels, yeah. To draw eight cards. I definitely cards. would. I definitely would. I still get mold drifters. I'll hit them in flying in the air. Maybe that's not the right decision, but yeah. Um, Eternal Witness, another staple card, but also so, so good if you're making copies and just good on its own can buy you back your Deep Force Hermit or something else. Yeah, it feels like it goes along with this engine thing because an engine doesn't just like, oh, one thing's removed and then it's gone. You can rebuy some of this stuff and keep it going. And there are ways in the deck to make... Um, tokens that are on instants and sorceries so if you have an eternal witness out you can be like boom buy back the instant or sorcery that makes the tokens make the tokens create a copies of eternal witness get the token maker back and now i'm in a nice engine where i'm going to be able to do that every turn right great uh, archaeomancer is in there for almost the exact same reason because it is a one two for four mana that when it etbs you get an instant or sorcery back from your graveyard and being able to make copies of archaeomancer is super super po uh, powerful because again you get the token creator back and keep that engine going uh, and then the last value engine card i added was teamer Sabertooth because i noticed that all these cards have etb effects deep forest hermit avenger of zandikar archaeomancer eternal witness mold drifter there's a bunch in the deck too that the way they create their tokens is by etb effects and Teamer Sabretooth has that one in a green ability. You may return another creature you control to its owner's hand. If you do, the Sabretooth gets indestructible, which you usually don't care about too much. It's that ability to bounce things back to your hand and then replay them for more value. Also, is a good protection for your commander because mm. Essex is six mana. And yeah. I really don't want it to die because once it gets up to eight, ten mana, like it's just really hard to, to cast. That's a good point. Yeah. So I really like Teamer Sabretooth in the deck as a, a way to just sort of keep my value engines going and protect my stuff. Sounds great. So you also decided to take a look at uh, the removal, kind of round it out a little bit um, and make it work with the synergies of the deck. So there's two things I noticed, or it's really the same thing. I noticed something about this deck and it's that there are very few artifacts out of the box in the deck. I think there were less than six. Hmm. So I thought, well, if I don't have any artifacts in my deck and I'm not adding any artifacts to my deck, then I probably want to just be able to, with impunity, blow up all the artifacts because I don't care if my artifacts, I, I probably won't have any. This has nothing to do with the Lorehold pre-constructed deck being at the table with you, Josh. I didn't, I, <laughs> since, I didn't actually think about that. And I didn't, I, honestly, I'll be really honest. I didn't know what the Lorehold pre-con deck did when I built this deck. Like I, everyone picks their decks and I literally just looked at mine, built it and then went about my business. <laughs> I mean, I think it's safe to assume, <laughs> it's safe to assume people are going to play early Man Rocks no, and things right, like that. Right. But I'm in green blue. I'm not going to do that. Like, and I looked at the deck. I have Arcane Signet, Soul Ring and maybe a couple other things. There's barely any artifacts. So I was like, I should put in stuff that blows up all the artifacts because I don't care. And so no, great. the first card in, and this is not a card we could have added to these decks just a few years ago because it was expensive, but it got in uh, Commander Collection green mm. and it's brought the price down a lot. It's Bane of Progress. So four green green for a 2-2 two, two. when it enters the battlefield, destroy all artifacts and enchantments and then put a 1-1 one, one counter on Bane of Progress for each permanent destroyed this way. It's great board wipe, gets big. There are some plus one, plus one counter synergies in this deck too. Yeah, plus one, plus one counter synergies that are just, you can't take them all out, so there are going to be some that remain. Also, works really good if you're copying it because you just like get it out. They play some more artifacts, you go, boom, I'll just make a copy of it. Yeah. Also, really good team or Sabertooth. Just bounce it back to your hand, replay it. So it's, it really works well with every card I'd added so far to the deck. And it was something Jimmy and I had talked about in a recent episode, um, the art of the board wipe, where I said, hey, you should also look at what your deck's not doing and then you can board wipe those things. If you don't care about artifacts because you don't have any, you should put in, or enchantments, you should put in, destroy all that stuff because you don't care. Uh, and along that lines, rampaging, or sorry, rampage of the clans. 
I've never put this in a deck before, have you? I haven't either, no. So it's three and a green for an instant. It says, destroy all artifacts and enchantments. For each permanent destroyed this way, its controller creates a 3-3 green centaur creature token. This just seemed perfect for me, right? Because I was like, well, I'm looking for stuff that blows up all the artifacts and enchantments. I don't have a lot of those. But this simultaneously makes tokens... It also gives tokens to them, though. I don't care, because even <laughs> if I get two tokens out of this thing, my tokens are going to be clones of the best creatures on the board. You're right. And yeah. theirs are going to be three threes. I don't care if they got a few three threes. Yeah, you're right. Three threes when you're putting massive amounts of squirrels or plants clogging everything up. No, three threes are irrelevant. You're right. I mean, you let's say I've got Archaeomancer or Eternal Witness or something out, right? I just get this right back, and it's like, what are they going to do? Well, sorry, you can't play enchantments or artifacts for the rest of the game. How about that? Bam! I was pretty proud of that one, I got to say, because I've never seen that card <laughs> played before in my life. Also, I played the deck a few times, and I've never drawn that card, so I will be honest. I don't know how good it is, but I feel like it would be good. <laughs> it reads good, right? It reads in this deck. It reads good in this deck, which yeah. is which is a great find, because that's what you look for. Yeah. You look for something that you don't see a lot of the times. People have to be like, what's that card? And you're like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, like, When it fits into a deck, it's a great find. And it's an instant. So you can mitigate a lot of the, hey, I gave you tokens by just doing it on your end step. Yeah. All right. And then this card, DJ, I'm putting this in every single deck that has blue. I just find myself doing it. I am putting it in every single deck that has blue as well. So after we're done talking about it, when we, once we say the name of it, I want you to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and order some right now because as this set that this came out in gets older i believe this is going to be like a sleeper card that's going to get pretty expensive unless they reprint it because it's just like very very good can you guess what it is it's amphim mutineer three and a blue for a three three salamander pirate when etbs exile up to one target non-salamander creature that creature's controller gets a four three blue um salamander creature warrior token but it has Encore for four blue blue. So if it's in your graveyard, you can exile from your graveyard and make three copies of it or one copy for each opponent uh, that dies at the end of turn and must attack, but still, and you can only do it as sorcery, but you make three tokens. By the way, they're infinite mutant new tokens. So it's very possible that you that's just what you want. But also if Essex is out at that time, you can still make three copies of whatever the best thing is if you don't want to exile three things. Look, people play like Ravenous Chupacabra and other four mana kill a thing uh, creatures. Uh, they're all over the place, you know, uh, hostage taker, yep. things like that. Okay. Uh, Amphid Mutineer, basically, I think that the fact that it exiles is so huge. huge. So huge because uh, we know that there's removal everywhere. And so a lot of people play indestructible or play ways around it. Amphid Mutineer comes down, is a relevant creature in its own right, and then that graveyard synergy, man, just being able to, at the end of the, the game, it's not even at the end of the game. It's six mana, right? I think the encore cost is like wrong. Six mana kill, kill, kill. Yeah. That's not right. It should have been like eight, right? Like I think it was miscalibrated Four six mana is not enough mana for exile three things. Like lu luminous, luminous primordial. Yeah. The white primordial is so much mana to do that same effect. Yeah. So, yeah, so Amphimutineer, and it's only $1.50 right now, so it didn't take much of our budget. Uh, I really, really like it. And again, if you have Amphimutineer out, and you have Essex out, and you play something like, you know, Tireless Tracker, now you're like, every oh, time man. I play a land, I exile something, right? Oh, man, I like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's just like, it's just works really, really well. Love that card. So our total upgrades were about $29, so I was right at the budget range, but we we're still within it. Um, 
and I'm really happy, again, having played this deck a number of times, uh, not just the one on extra turns, which I won't spoil how that went, but I think the upgrades in this deck are pretty strong. The deck feels really good with these cards in it. Uh, but you can't just add 10 cards, because then you'll have 110 cards. You have to take out 10 cards in order to make the deck legal. So let's talk Isn't about... this the hardest part sometimes, like sometimes in any commander deck? Sometimes in pre-con decks is not necessarily that hard. Sometimes there's 15 cards I want to take out. And this deck was one of them because of the unblockable thing, the plus one, plus one counters. I thought there were a number of cards that I um, did not want in the deck. And I was actually at the end being like, okay, well, I guess I got to keep two of these cards. Which will they be? So here's the 10 we ended up saying, let's take out. There's two lands. Unblockable, we talked about already. So Rogue's Passage... Um, you can tap it for color, so pay four and tap it to make something can't be blocked this turn. I do not like this card, and I definitely don't like it in this deck. And then he also... This card's just bad. This next one, like, yeah. tell me. This is just a bad card. I think it's going to fool people and think it's good. It's not. Okay, read it. It's bad. It's worse than a basic land. Uh, study Hall. It's a land. Tap for colorless. Uh, one and tap. Add one mana of any color. When you spend this mana to cast your commander, scry X, where X is the number of times it's been cast from the command zone this game. So basically, when you cast your commander, you can pay one to scry one. Paying one to scry one is not good. It's not worth the cost of having a colorless land that could uh, give you mana troubles. It's just not. Or, or the opportunity cost of a better land. And when you're getting more than scry one, it means your commander has died and gone back to the command zone. So you're already having to pay commander tax. So this is adding one more to your commander tax to do that, which you're never going to want to do. Yeah, Study Hall is oh, just so, not a good card. Not a good so card. Bad. Don't play that card. Okay, you talked a little bit about the unblockable theme, which means that we cut good old Professor. Yeah, Ruxa, the patient professor, cares about vanilla creatures. You can't really get the um, advantage of the, uh, what's the word, recursion. Because you don't have a lot. What did I do? I added a bunch of creatures with abilities. So, yeah, Ruxa goes. Sorry, Ruxa. Okay. Um, you also trimmed down some of the plus one, plus one counter synergies in here. Yeah. So there was Primal uh, Empathy. Is this a new card? No. That was in Ikoria. Right. So it's one, a green and a blue for an enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you draw a card if you control a creature with the greatest power uh, among creatures on the battlefield. Otherwise, you put a one, one counter on a creature you control. So this deck's because we were going in a different direction. Like if I'm going to Amphimutineer and Moldrifter and stuff like that, then I can't guarantee I'm going to have the biggest creatures. And I don't really want plus one, plus one counters because I didn't add any synergy for that. So it goes. Uh, Forgotten Ancient cares about plus one, plus one counters. Fine card, but it doesn't have any synergies in the deck really now. So took it out. Then there's a new card called Fractal Harness. <laughs> two green and X for an equipment with an equip cost of two. When it enters the battlefield, you create a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token, and then you put X one, one counters on it uh, and attach the fractal harness to it. So if you pay five mana for this, you'll get a two, two and attach the harness to it. But the harness says whenever equipped creature attacks, double the number of one, one counters on it. So then you'd attack and make a four, four that's five mana. People like Colonian Hydra, but that does it to like your whole team. Yeah, and just more mana efficient. Although, yeah. the, technically, you can re-equip this to something else, but that something else has to have plus one, plus one counters on it for you to care about the ability that's giving, and, you know, we're cutting that uh, that theme from this deck, so. Okay, you did cut some of the slower um, token creators that are in here, and one of them does synergize with this unblockable uh, mechanic. So, like, when I said, like, uh, there's, like, one or two in there that actually synergizes, this is one of the cards that synergizes, but it is... It is spawning Kraken. Five and a blue for a six six. Whenever a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent you control deals combat damage to a player, create a nine nine blue creature. Sorry, nine nine blue Kraken creature token. 
Release the Kraken! Yeah, this is just like... There's a lot of people out there that are going to be so excited this exists for their Kraken decks and stuff like that. Um, There's not enough unblockable to reliably um, activate on this because there's only scattered throughout the deck. It's not a, it's a, it's a sub theme, not a main theme. Uh, And then do you really, isn't it just a lightning rod for dying and it's cost six mana? Yeah. I mean, listen, this is a fun type of card, but it's not the card that I like to play. I think as most of our, um, most of our viewers know, there's too many ifs, too many hoops like, what did I add to the deck? Stuff that does its thing. And if my commander's out, it does its thing better. But I don't want a thing that, like, even if I play it, I don't know if it will do its thing because I need other things going on. And that, to me, is just just not a recipe for the type of card that I generally like. Obviously, sea creature token decks, or sorry, sea creature decks, this is going to be cool and, and that's fun and everything. But as far as, like, a deck that cares about, like, I need to make tokens and then have good targets to copy with my tokens this has another hoop to jump through of being like and also you have to deal combat damage to one of your opponents somehow also you'd almost rather have a squirrel token than a 9-9 token because your plan is not to double them your plan is to make it into something relevant really good point if you're playing the doublers one maybe this gets a little better because two nine nines is better you want something speaking better of than which, 9-9? <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, another card I'm cutting is Desolation Twin. It's 10 mana for a 10-10, but when you cast this spell, you create a 10-10 colorless Eldrazi creature token. 10 mana, just too much. And, yeah. and also, like like you said, I'd rather just have something cheaper that creates generic tokens that are small because the mana cost of that is going to be a lot less, and I will get Essex to make them awesome. I don't need the card itself to make it into a 10-10. Two more token creators, but they got some hoops. So Hornet Nest is an interesting one. Two and a green for an insect. It's a zero two with Defender, but it says whenever it is dealt damage, you create that many one one green insect creature tokens with flying and death touch. Here's the problem. This is only good in a deck that has abilities to deal damage to the Hornet Nest yourself. Because trust me, when you have Hornet Nest, ain't nobody attacking you. They see it. They're I attack like, you with my desolation. Yeah, exactly. They're no. not like, oh man, I got a 10-10. I guess I'll just, I have to swing it into your horn. No, they just swing at Jimmy or Megan or whatever. And this thing just sits there and doesn't do anything. You might say, well, like, that sounds cool. I'll just play this card and no one will attack me. But it literally, you could play a lot of cards that'll do that and give you some other kind of value and that are harder to kill. So then they just go, listen, I'll just get a plan ready for when I have removal and I'll go destroy that thing, attack you. When you think you're safe. And the thing is, you want cards that make tokens reliably. This doesn't make tokens reliably. Not up to you. You know, and it doesn't make it on your turn. Uh, yeah, it doesn't make it, it on your turn. It could. But. If it's if it's defending, yeah. they're attacking you. It won't even uh, trigger yeah, us. Exactly. Yeah, because not so, your turn. Bah. All right. And the last card we're going to cut is Geometric Nexus. This is a new card. Two mana for an artifact. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell, put a number of charge counters on Geometric Nexus equal to that spell's mana value this is a player so if dj casts i read that a little bit quickly i didn't realize it was a player yeah let's see if it gets better in my mind so if dj <laughs> casts factor fiction then i'll put four counters on this thing factor fiction's four mana right i keep it is i'm glad i'm not getting that wrong every time i've said it <laughs> thanks for double checking all right uh geometric nexus pay six and tap it and you remove all charge counters from it so you can't just remove part and you create a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token, and then you put X plus one plus one counters on it, where X is the number of charge counters removed this way. So you put it out there for two mana. They play rampant growth. Somebody plays a cultivate. A few turns later, they play that fact of fiction. You've got nine counters on geometric nexus, and at some point, you can pay six mana, tap it, and make a nine nine. 
no, I don't want to. Six mana. Six attack, mana. I, I also, can't have also, a nine nine. It would need to be a. It would need to be a twenty twenty or a forty forty or something like that. And so it's another thing that kind of works with this unblockable theme a little bit, but you need to have so much stuff happen, and then you're investing all of this time and energy and mana into this big thing, and all it does is have keyword big. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really eight mana for the first token. Again, if you were doubling it, so you're playing, um, uh, what's the name, Adrix and Nev, maybe it gets a little better. If you have doubling season, parallel lives, anointed procession in your deck. So you have the chance to pay six mana and get three 12-12s or whatever. Okay. Yeah, that actually, because then it's not one creature that is just easily dealt with. Then you're going a little bit wider. You can get through chump blockers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's got instant speed, you know, to activate and whatnot. So it can sort of come out of nowhere. So I think there are maybe some places where you could play this card, but considering the way we're pushing this deck, it just didn't fit. Yeah. All right. So those are the 10 cards we want to take out of the deck. Let's end this discussion by talking about how the deck plays. Um, it's got a lot of ramp in it already, so you try and get Essex onto the table as soon as possible. And then the good news is you don't have nothing to do in your early turns. Hopefully that's when you're playing your um, Mold Drifters, your Tyler's Trackers. You're setting up your value stuff, and then you play Essex, and then in the same turn you play Essex or the turn after, you're really trying to have an explosive moment where you have something you've been sandbagging in your hand that's going to be able to make like three plus tokens all at once, and then you get your three, you know... Uh, Mold Drifters or your three or your five Deep uh, Force Hermits or whatever it is. You're setting up for that one big boom. And then, you know, if you're lucky, you get to do that multiple times in a game. But just doing it once will often be like a pretty big body blow to the whole table. Yeah, because the way that you've built this deck is that you can you can have your commander interrupted, your whole game plan of making extra tokens interrupted, and you're still playing great creatures with Enter the Battlefield effects that you often see across commander tables. Yeah, you play this stuff and then you try and just hold everybody off again until you get the Essex back out and then you're going for another like, okay, and now I play my Avengers of Endicar if I can untap with this thing and boom, I got like, you know, 100 power on the board in one spell. <laughs> yeah, and that's, so you're just trying to set up for that kind of thing. And But I like it because you're not doing nothing leading up to that. You're not just like ramp, 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 <coughs> cast my commander, then do the thing. You actually get to play some some cards earlier. You know, you don't have to just like hold all your cards until your six drop commander comes down. So it seems cool. Yeah, I like it. All right, <clears throat> to the listeners, what do you think about this Quandrix pre-con? Are there any cards we missed? Any cards that you would suggest that we take out or that you disagree with? Would you maybe have built this around Adrix and Nev rather than around Essex? And if so, what cards would you add to the deck? Uh, remember, $30 budget, so don't call out cards that people are always like why not this why, yeah, not? why didn't double doubling season would yeah. have been perfect yeah it's well like, that's not the exercise it's a budget exercise because i think most people when they pick up this deck they want to be able to play it pretty quickly and you know dropping a hundred dollars plus the is not something that i think most people are willing to do but i want to play it a couple times to figure out what direction i want to go i don't want to drop and invest a bunch of money into a brand new deck with new mechanics and then until be like, i know oh, yeah, yeah until i know how it plays and what i like and what direction i want to take it so and i also don't want to test a deck that just stumbles and doesn't do anything so this sort of budget upgrade ex exercise is exactly the way i approach deck building great well, if you want to pick up the Quantum Quandrix pre-con deck or any of the pre-cons from Strixhaven or any of the cards from the Strixhaven main set, 
Just go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone. It's the best place to order your magic product, singles, anything at all. You'll be simultaneously getting the magic cards that we know you're already going to buy anyway, but just as gravy thrown in, you get to support the content you enjoy as well. Um, Also, once you get your hands on those cards, make sure you throw them into some nice Ultra Pro sleeves. Put them on an Ultra Pro playmat. This deck, once you assemble the upgraded version, put that into an Ultra Pro Satin Tower deck box or maybe one of the new Mythic collections. They really do make fancy... I like this library right here. Yeah, Isn't that it looks cool really, looking? really cool. Um, yeah, Ultra Pro just has really high quality stuff. Just their printing process is so good, so clean, so crisp. Their stuff looks great. It makes sure that your cards continue to look great as well. So they're the ones that we trust our own personal collections to. All right, end step. No end step on these episodes. If you haven't noticed, we're doing a ton of extra content. DJ... Thank you so much for uh, being here and help us out because I don't know how we could have done all this stuff without DJ. He really has been uh, helping us keep on top of all the strict saving stuff. There's so much product. There's so much stuff to talk about. And the fact that commander sets come out along with a set that's full of awesome stuff too. It's just like, feels like overload, but don't worry. We're going to guide you through all of the cool stuff coming out right now. Yeah. Something we take so seriously here at the command zone is that we want to have, you know, helped you learn about every single thing that comes out and keep on top of it. And DJ really is helping us do that. So thanks so much for being here, man. All right. Big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team, which is Manson Lung, Craig Blanchett, Ashlyn Rose, Lady Danger, Alfred Estaca, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Patrick Nan, Jordan Pridgen, Arthur Meadowcroft, Sam Waldo, and Gaurav Galati. Gaurav, new addition to the team. Uh, very excited to have him here. If you see Gaurav on Twitter, and we're going to put his... Twitter handle up on screen there. Make sure to say welcome to the Command Cast team. All right, and big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who uh, does a lot of the living card animations that begin every episode of the podcast and also often sit behind us here on set. That is the search for Ascansa that Jeffrey did. You can find him on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. Whew. All right. Well, another podcast down, DJ. Only about 20 more to go. I know. <laughs> Just... Make sure to subscribe and hit the bell icon because these are coming out fast. These are coming out fast. They're going to be in your queues on, on YouTube, your podcast queue all the time. So, yep. If you want to find out about any of the decks, any of the cards in the set, anything at all, we will have a video covering it. Rest assured. All right, everybody. Until that next video. Bye-bye, everyone. Thanks for watching. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>